Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ange. Oh, Anthony. How are we? I'm really well. How are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do, thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little. No, it's fine. fine, yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time. I'm going to put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to chapter 129 of the Corona Diaries. <laughs> Here we are. Mm. Mm. And I'm looking at a blank screen. I'm not looking at a blank That's screen. There's no way to the... talk about me. <laughs> We're not that, I'm going to put you in. Invisible, are we? No. <laughs> no. No, I can see I can see one person now, but I was looking at a blank screen and hearing two voices. Right. Uh, and and you haven't got the, the numbers wrong. It isn't a, a, an episode ending in a zero. So, but we do have a guest, and we have a very, very special guest. Indeed, we do. Um, so we have Louis uh, Jardine with us this evening. Um, it is evening for you, isn't it? What time is it over there? Here it's uh, twenty to seven. Evening. Twenty to seven. Because you're in the Netherlands, aren't you? Yes, we are. We are. Right. We're in the. Having just come off a gig last night in... Where were you last night? Groningen. Groningen. We were in Groningen last night. <laughs> yes. And right, okay. It was great. It was, amazing. Amazing. it was one of the best gigs we did so far, isn't it? Yeah. I for, thought. Definitely. Great. Yeah, it was a it's great. Everyone was on fire. You know. Yeah, including the crowd. It was a great yeah. crowd. The crowd was incredible, yeah. band was in good shape. I was singing fairly well. So, yeah. He's yeah, being humble now. He's singing nice. fucking great. Can you swear? <laughs> or is it not allowed? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you no, can swear on okay. okay. it. Right. Say anything. I did it. this yeah. in a podcast in Portugal, and they told me to shut up and send me out. <laughs> oh, no. No, people swear on this podcast. People swear when they're listening to it. That's just, it's just how it works. Uh, on TCD. Um, and and you're, you're now Eindhoven, aren't you? Eindhoven, yes, we are. In Eindhoven. Right, yeah. okay. For, for one this tomorrow is, This night. is Phillips, isn't it? The home of Phillips, the Phillips shave, the sonic hair. Yeah. Yes, the, right. the cat scanner. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to walk onto stage with a cat scanner, are you? <laughs> you never know. There's one around. You never know when you need to scan a cat, do you? Scan a cat. Yeah. Not yeah. skin yeah. a cat. Skin a cat scanner. <laughs> The Philip. Now the, that does sound like something Phillips would have yeah, made in the seventies. The Philips yeah. cat skinner, brilliant cat skinner. <laughs> that would have been more Remington, wouldn't yeah. it? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> the, the Remington cat fuss, two thousand. <laughs> yeah. All the cat people are now going to be phoning. Uh, in. Oh yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll have a lot of them going. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can, Actually, do you think we've got quite a, a cat audience? Definitely. Oh, absolutely. I think there's a few tucked away. Oh, definitely. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Are we allowed? To, are we allowed to say crazy cat lady audience, uh, irrespective oof, of gender? Oof, steady on. Uh, well, you can say that, Ant. <laughs> yes, we we can't agree with you, but we you have said it right. secretly. Uh, <laughs> I was using it more of a description of a personality rather than of a gender. A, vag- a vagina? A va- yeah, that no, was a, a dodgy v- word you just said there. <laughs> a vagenda. Oh, oh, a vagenda. Yeah. It's oh. an agenda with a V. <laughs> let's not, let's not, let's stop. Yeah, let's stop. I, I apologise yeah, before we go too if far. If I've offended anybody. We, we can, uh, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm going to have to edit nearly all of this out already. We've only just no, got going. No, I think, you, I, think, I think you're fine. I yeah, think, don't yeah. people wear, isn't it a bit like Ginge? Don't people wear Crazy Cat Lady as a bit of a badge of honour now? Oh, do they? Oh. Yeah, it's a bit like gingers, isn't it? Gingers are really proud of being ginger now. Oh, really? Well, yeah. well so they yeah. should be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There's absolutely. a lot of weirdos oh. around now, so it could be anything. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes. Some of the coolest people I know are gingers. Yeah, yeah. Well, I might be one under all this bloody hair dye. Yeah. I've, I've been dying my hair yeah. so long. Right. Sometimes I wonder if I'm an albino because I can't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> That would be a piece of news. Yeah, that would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> if, if if Steve Hogarth has 
He's a redhead. He's a redhead. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give him any ideas, please. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to start wearing green. They all wear green, don't they? Anyway, well, let, let's, we, we, need to, we need to get as much out of Lewis as we possibly can while, while we've got him. So, um, so Lewis, um, I mean, one of the things we, we do need to do uh, while we've got you here is um, we need to take the opportunity for... For H to do his impression of you while you're in the room, oh, so please, we, we definitely yes. need to do that. Yes, I knew we would. Um, I haven't seen it doing, but he's, he's the sort of person to do that. I haven't done a Lewis <laughs> Jardim impression, have I? Have I done one? I, I th- you must. I, have. I thought you didn't. You have an impression of Lewis when you when he was working on the ICG album. Um, well, no, not really. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not going to do impressions of him. Listen, he can do an impression of me anytime. Yeah, He's right. a good-looking lad, so I don't mind. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's dressing up as you. That's you're referring to. No? That's a different thing. <laughs> well, I can't do an impression of him. He sings. No, he sings too good. I can't. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, oh, you're too. You're too kind. So. Obviously, you worked together on Ice Cream Genius, but when did you first meet? When did your paths first cross? Um, Stephen probably answered this better than I do, because uh, he, he's got better memory, and I'm getting a bit older, so I forget things. That, Go on, Stephen. No, that would be it. That would have been when you walked through the door at the racket club on on the on the solo album, Craig Leon. Oh, with the, with the, with the really yes, with Craig me. Leon was producing it. Oh, uh, Craig Leon, remember him? And George, little American guy. Yeah, and yeah. Play, a cello player. Does he play the cello? As a cello, it was supposed yeah. to be a really good cello player. Oh. Yeah. He was a curious yeah. sort of New York intellectual sort of a cello. He was, yes, yes, yes. He got a wife called yes, she Castle. At Castle, she Castle. was called, which is a hell of a name for it's a girl. She, was she foreign? Craig she and Castle. I don't know. I think she might have been New York. I think they were both sort of New York. Yeah, were, yeah I think they were New York. And, yeah. and he got Clem Burke from Blondie into drum and Chucho Machan on bass. Oh, yeah. And then you came in and uh, he said, well, I will warn you, Lewis is, is not... He's occasionally late, but he's never an hour late. He's usually about a day late. Um, <laughs> Great. And Starting th- well with this. <laughs> and I think you were. Yeah, actually. but it's true. It's true. It is absolutely I think true. You were due at like seven o'clock on a Tuesday and you <laughs> arrived at nine on a Wednesday. As Trevor Horn once said to me, he's the only guy who's ever arrived 48 hours later with an excuse that he had a flat tyre. Which <laughs> <laughs> took 48 hours to, to change. <laughs> so I, I think it might have have been late but you know it was worth the wait and um it was yeah that was when we met yeah i've got a photograph yeah. of you and me and dave gregory the guitarist, oh, the guitarist. from xcc and craig together okay. somewhere and oh, I'll, send, I'll, send, send me one of them. i will i'll dig it out for you yeah nice. we, we were be... young and beautiful then yeah so young and women ch- chasing us uh, everywhere yes they're in the especially background especially the divorced wives you know. <laughs> <laughs> chasing us for money <laughs> chasing Not... us yeah for houses in my case <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we met we met at the racket club. Yeah, when when Craig came there, and then I did a bit more work on 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 Ice Cream Genius down in a in like a little shed next to Sol Mill Studios in Cookham. In Cookham, yeah. And you came there as well because yeah. we we hadn't finished. Or I'm something. really into sheds, so that's, yeah, that's it. Yeah, you came you came over. <laughs> yeah. And and I think that was the same day that Chris Rea popped in because he owns Sol Mill now. Of course, yeah. He bought it off. What's his name? Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and he just sort of shuffled in one morning and went, oh, and that voice, oh, what's going on? Oh, hello, Chris. And then shuffled out again. <laughs> yeah, I've got that. I remember clearly. Yeah, nice fellow. Yeah. Great. I I must admit, I do like uh, driving in my car. Oh, driving home for Christmas. Driving home for Christmas, yeah. yeah I love that, that track. I love yeah, it. That's Linetta's <laughs> favourite Christmas song. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So that's probably the beginning of me and Steve. Yeah, that was that was us meeting and faffing about together. And then we. I don't think I set eyes on you after that until um, that gig got... Mr. Horn's place. In Acton. 
in Acton. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's we right. did that gig. Which was an opening of something of one of his studios, wasn't it? Um, yes, the Music Bank. The Music Bank, number two. Which is already shut, by all accounts. <laughs> yeah, from what I heard. I think he's sold everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, so it was great, great to be together again. And then, of course, uh, I was in the studio with the boys working on this new album and thinking, oh, I wonder if he'd come and do a bit on it because I normally shake the tambourines and I'm not, I'm not, you He's know, fucking good at it. I'm, I'm telling not, you that. Yeah, He's really your, good. You know, bloody few major. singers... I mean, there's one that's really good, Mick Jagger, who can't play in time for more than a bar. <laughs> no, Stephen's pretty good with it. In fact, I wish he wasn't so fucking good. You know what I mean? He's taking my place, you know, it's really... <laughs> Highly unlikely. <laughs> no, he's good. But, so, question from me then. So you're saying ICG's the first time you met. Yep. But you played a The The track for the Crooncast last week, H. You did Harland, didn't I you? I did. Crooncast. Uh, yeah. And yet... When I did a, bit of, uh, a little bit of a look around that album, you played on that album, Lewis. I played on so many... I'm, I'm, I know this is blowing my own trumpet, but I'm honest with you, I get phone calls from people occasionally, and they say, some guy in Japan says, Oh, Lewis, I am listening to an album you're playing on it. And I say, who is it? I don't even know the fucking artist. I can't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> I played on 320, with 320 artists. I've recorded with 320 artists over the period of 50-odd years, you know what I mean? So mm. there are many people I don't remember, you know, unless somebody actually tells me, your name's on the cover, then I, then I think, oh, I must have done that, you know. Yeah. My missus is always saying to me, how come you never told me you're on this album? I said, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been around, you know, it's not, this is not just talent. This is also, there's a little bit of talent, obviously, otherwise I wouldn't be able to work. But the, most of it is time, because I was here for when everything was starting in England, late 60s. You know, that's when England was the champion of music, you know. And we had all the great bands and all the things. And I was lucky, you know. I was, I did a gig with the Stones in in '69, uh, and I did other things before with important people. And the name started. And I was also, you know, there's always, there's one good thing is being a big fish in a in a small sea. I was a small fish in a, in a big sea, but I was there were very few percussionists around mm. that would any kind of quality. You know, there was me, there was uh, Barry Morgan, and. Uh, a few a few other guys, you know. Uh, mm. I'm trying to think of names. It'd be nice for you to to hear the names. Uh, Chris Chris Caron. Uh, I don't know. They were Ray kind of, Cooper. You know, Ray Cooper. Yeah, Ray Cooper was right. the the daddy of us all, you know. Uh, and Robin Jones, who is died died now, but he was a great Latin percussion player. You know, he was specialized in Latin Brazilian. He liked. Cuban, he like, you know, he was a mixed thing, and he taught me everything. I watched him play, and I, and he was, a, you know, he was an older guy, you know, he was twenty years older than me or something, and he really showed me all the tricks, and then I really got into it and developed a little bit of a style that fitted in with rock bands, you know, because a Latin player, and many times I had to replace percussion done. By percussionists, great percussionists, American percussionists, though, that I personally used to love hearing them. But then the producers would come here with the tapes and say, "Yeah, it's, it's great, but this is this ain't Latin. This is rock and roll. Can you play rock and roll?" And I think this is how I survived all these years and how I got my nose in because I understood that you don't with the Stones or with whoever it is, with Marillion, you don't play like you play with, uh, I don't know, some Miami sound machine. Yeah, That's a different kettle of fish, you know. And I think that was my my mo moment of intelligence, my moment of uh, waking up. So I started adapting the playing to rock things, pop-up things, which was what, what was happening in England. You know, England in the 60s was pop, wasn't it? Eventually it developed into other things, but it was serious pop with the great bands, you know, names like the Kinks and, you know, the Hollies and some bands that we probably think it's shit now, but they were great bands, you know. They were ahead of the Americans, no question at all, you know. The Americans were into the fusion and the, the funk and the jazz, I think. But pop and, and rock was England. England was the country, you know. I'm probably mm. talking too much, sorry. Was, no, you're fine. Um, <laughs> 
was that did it help then that that kind of thing of you deciding that percussion was your thing at that point in time was the late 60s the perfect point to get yourself established as kind of a session player for that, that well, kind of work to be honest with you there was there were a few other reasons in those days the we used to get union fees you know musicians union rate which would be peanuts you know 25 quid a session or something and when you go in to play bass which I play, or guitar, which I, I haven't played for years, but I used to play drums. So I'd go in, have all that trouble with the drum kit, because at the time I couldn't afford a roadie. So I had to carry everything, you know, I did my back in, anyway. And so I would go there and play like a lunatic for three hours and get 25 quid. Now, mm. when I started being asked to play percussion, people would say to me, how much will you charge to do three hours? Because, you know, with percussion, you overdub. You do a lot of overdubbing. You play a tambourine, you play congas, and then maybe they'll want you to play a shaker or you play a triangle or whatever. So my fees were always three times more than I used to get playing a single instrument. And I'm also, you know, I'm I'm, I'm half Brazilian, you know, from descendants, you know. My father's, the side, my father's side of the family is from Brazil. So I had the rhythm in me, you know what I mean? <laughs> Not the rhythm in me, but I was into rhythm. That was my thing. So I, I really fell in love with the percussion. And, I, you know, I was playing around the drummers, you know, making some stiff things sound more rhythmical. That's what they people used to get a percussionist in, to loosen up a bit and to get the warm thought of the rhythm. And so, I, you know, I fell in love with percussion. I still play the other things occasionally for certain people who still book me on those things that I played 40 years ago. But I decided then financially, and from a point of view of enjoyment, that percussion was what I wanted to do, and I stuck to it. I tell you what, though, when you came in on Ice Cream Genius, you did the complete opposite, because Clem is quite a loose, trashy, punky sort of player. That's right. And he was very ecstatic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And all the stuff we'd got felt just a little bit loose, and you came, you came you in and it. you yeah you threw shakers through it that, yeah. that made it really you know and I, I I was listening to that thing and how is this possible because it, you, Stephen you know I used to call when you come in and do a percussion you're putting glue on the track that's yeah. what you do you put glue you surround the track with something that's continuous because if you've got people flying about and all this and you've got a shaker going that's going to keep it you know that's going to join everything together yeah. So That's right. Can, can do the opposite as well. You, you can, can do the opposite. Take something loose and tighten it up. Yeah, yeah. I heard you do it. Yeah, that's amazing. But I think that's part of the percussion thing is that it it embeds, you know, it sort of joins everything. You know, hmm. it's you know, it's like a great rhythm guitar. Really great rhythm guitar it changes the track, isn't it? You know, can you hear it then when you walk into a session and you hear? You know, I guess first thing is you get you get played what. What's there, and can you can you just hear? Well, actually, no. This is this is something I'm gonna. I'm you know, it needs a bit of tightening. I can I can just put something through through the middle, or this is something where I can embellish it and loosen it a little bit, give it a little bit of feel that it hasn't got that it perhaps needs, or I'm adding a bit of atmosphere or a bit of texture or a bit of width. Does does that? Do you just hear that now? Obviously, as soon as you hear a track, uh, there's two ways of looking at that. I've survived 60 years in the business, you know. I'm still working with people I worked 60 years ago. And that is because I keep my mouth shut. My thoughts are for myself. I'm sit. I'm coming in, I'm a plumber. I'm coming in to tighten up the pipes and fix the taps, you know what I mean? So I go in and I hear what they've got to say. I don't make any previous prejudgments of what mm. I think should go on the track. I mean, I never say to a producer, oh, man, yeah, that's got to be a tambourine. There. Right. <laughs> that's not my job. My job is to go there, and and if he'll say to me, put it unless he says, "What do you want to do? What do you think?" Then you say something. But in general, if you're an intelligent player, and I know people like me didn't survive the years I survived because they came in and start giving you opinions. The last thing a producer who hasn't a producer's got a plan, and the artist, if you get an artist with talented like this man, he knows what he wants on a track. He can sing me a pattern for me to play, you know what I mean? So it's not like a lot of a lot of artists you go in and they haven't got a clue. They just the producer says, What do you think? And you say, Maybe a shaker. 
Always, shaker is always a safe bet because, <laughs> you know, because everyone likes a shaker. So share a shaker. And then if he says, we need some more stuff, what do you think? I say, what do you think? You know, because I want to, I want to be booked again. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's a little, there's a little bit of psycho, psychology here. You know, so you, I've learned that keeping your mouth shut and doing what the producer wants. And when he's smiling and when he's, you know, when he gets up like Steve did and takes a few photos of you, you know it's a good sign. You must be doing something right. <laughs> but not always. You work with uh, with guys with the talent that this man has, you know. I mean, I've worked, like we're talking, dropping names, let's say, with Jagger. Jagger once went into, on his solo album to do some percussion. And he says to me, and we were at um, what that studio in Wardour Street. Trin, 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 uh, Trident. Trident. Yeah. We're at Trident Studios, and Trident has a thing. that The control room is above, and you play underneath. So if you don't sit at the end of the room, they don't see you. Anyway, so he says to me, Jagger says to me, I want you to play them bongos. It wasn't play the bongos, it was them bongos. So, anyway, so I went to play the dem bongos. I got the dem bongos between my legs, and I started playing the bongos. And he's going... Oui, mate, something wrong there. <laughs> I said, well, what's wrong? The rhythm? No, mate, the rhythm's fine. It's just something funny. It's not something right. Anyway, we went on, this went on for about 10 minutes. And then he said, he said, show me the bongas. <laughs> bongas with an A, not bongos. Anyway, so I go up the stairs with the bongas. He goes, no, mate, not them bongas. Them bongas, the big bongas. <laughs> So that's how much he knew about what he wanted on percussion, you know what I mean? It's different when you go to the studio, like when I went he to... He wanted a big bunger. When I went to Racket, and I knew he was telling me what he wanted me to play, and that was great, you know. You know, that's unusual and great. Mm. It's, wow. a, it's a sort of a... It was only a moment, let's, was, let's face it. Well, he's had loads of good moments, oh, I'm telling right. you that. <laughs> now it's great, great. So obviously on the on the tour you've come in you've you've I guess you'll have knowledge of the things that you played on the album so that's fine so in in that bit that's that's the case those of, those you know. were the easy ones the the, the yeah. other fifteen were the difficult <laughs> ones to think what do I play on this you know what I mean so and, I start suggesting the... obviously I start I I when I did this for about two weeks I listened to all the tracks and I marked what I thought might work maybe a little tambourine there then I found that if plays fucking good tambourine and some of the tambourines I'd planned wasn't worth doing because he was already doing it you know what I mean but then I worked up you know when he's playing tambourine I play a shake or you know kabass or whatever you know bongos or congas or so we got I think we're reaching slowly I'm still fishing a bit I must be honest some numbers I'm still trying let me try to see if it works you know because there's a lot of songs and they are this isn't this isn't playing with the Bay City Rollers. Here you're playing with a serious band who who changes tempos and who changes time signatures and it's it's not you know, it's a tough job. You need to know what the fuck you're doing because you know, why is it that us foreigners swear more than the English? You well, don't. You don't. You, you don't. don't. Yeah, you don't. we're dreadful. No. Yeah. Don't worry about <laughs> you're, it. You're just talking more, Lewis. That's all it is. Yeah, but I mean, it's it was it's a chat. I'll tell you something absolutely honest. If if I was to drop dead in a month time, not before a month time, because I want to finish the tour, but I I think I've achieved what I looked forward in my life to finish with the band that I love. You know, because I'm I'm an old guy. I'm seventy two years old. Although I look okay for my age you know if i was to drop dead i wouldn't mind saying i was with marillion fuck that <laughs> you know I mean? and i'm serious not because steve's sitting here because i was a fan of this band you know since the 80s or more than when mm. they whenever they started i was there and a lot of my friends a lot of them my musician great musician friends also were like that we used to get together and go and see the concert you we we even travelled abroad a couple of times to see them in other countries, so it's it, he doesn't know about this because well, we know. never talked about That's this. But I was a fan, especially shocked. when I heard him when he joined. I thought, fuck, this is serious, you know. So for me, this is if I finish here, I'm quite happy. Like Buddy Rich said, I just I want to finish. I wouldn't have finished my drumming career doing a solo, <laughs> and he did. He did a solo, <laughs> <and> dropped dead. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you know, if you feel that coming on, let us know. No, we'll, I'll warn you before. We'll, we'll, we'll give you a good, well, we'll give you a good old stretch. S- you know? Sleeping on the bus, I'm getting used to the coffin shape. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Phil, Phil Brown's wife, Josie, we brought her on a bus in, the, in, in London because she'd never been on a tour bus, and she went... Oh, they're just like those, you know, that you get at a crematorium when, when, when the curtains go across, you know, just before the flames. She said, "Cause if the bus crashes, I suppose that's what they are, really, isn't it?" We're going, "Yeah, thanks, <laughs> sweet dreams." <laughs> oh dear! Uh, sorry, I'm getting carried away with them. No, no, because because I didn't know you were you were that much of a fan. Yeah, but you no, know, I'm, I'm, musicians, um, musicians normally don't tell other people who they love, because mm. and like the same as we never take photographs with artists. I mean, I've worked with fucking three hundred artists, and I've only got about six photos, oh. <laughs> and it was my wife who took them. One of my mm. wives took them, you know. So yeah, I mean, musicians keep them for themselves, you know. No, with my friends, I had some players that were friends, and we used to go and see the band play and all that. Because mm. these band, this band's got songs, you know. There are no songs anymore. Now it's all bullshit, you know. It's all riffs and, and one line repeated, and then, the, you know, the ver- there's no more verse, bridge, and middle eight and chorus. You know, it's one thing that repeats. You know, so these songs, if you listen carefully to this album, this is serious shit. You know, mm. the songs are really happening. You know. Anyway, well, I, I'd, I'd second that, and I know a lot of people who listen to this would absolutely second that because it's astonishing, and it's certainly astonishing when you hear it live. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think, the only thing that that really augments that, Lewis, was that I was transfixed watching you for about, you know, the first twenty minutes of the show, just because I, I didn't quite know what you were going to do next. Was I fishing, uh, or was I positive? You, you were, you were. It was, it, it was. The, oh, everything you were doing sounded great, and but it was just. Thank you. you have this beautifully artistic way of doing it. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. There's a, there's a, there's Thank an you. element of there's there's a kind of a beauty to watching yes. you work. And, and um, when I when I'm know. playing now with Marina, I, t- I try to try and copy Stephen, especially the moment where he dances the waltz. <laughs> that's my. He's so elegant, and I thought I've got to be elegant like Stephen. I, <laughs> I can't dance the waltz because I'm sitting down, but. <laughs> No, I'm so serious. of those those yeah. three hundred and however many artists and albums you've played on, and those however many sessions you've done, you've said you look, you know, and I'm quite surprised to hear you say oh, I've only got a handful of photos of people I played with. Who who do you, who have you actually liked? Are the people who you know, as people or as, or as musicians. Well, well, give us both. Give us both. Give yeah. us give us a few musicians. And I'll a tell few you people. who I didn't like. Stupid singer with Duran Duran. It was the only guy in fifty years that I had a bad vibe with, you know. It was right. Simon LeBlanc, I call him, you know. Right. Okay. And uh, he was the only unpleasant man I met in Britain in the music business in Britain. I've never, never had came to you know problems with anybody. There was everybody was really wonderful. I became very, very friendly. I played with the Stones in '69, and Charlie took a liking to me. And Charlie likes a partner. You know, he likes to the rhythm thing. He likes, if possible, but Mick was always opposed to the percussionists on tour. Uh, they have a piano player on tour. They have horns. They have uh, backing singers. But Mick likes and thinks he's the greatest maraca player in the world. So, <laughs> so he doesn't like anybody shaking anything. And uh, even on the records, sometimes it was difficult because Charlie would say, no, no, I want the congas there. I want the, you know, sympathy for the devil. I want the congas there. And he didn't bloody wanted them. You know, he wanted whatever. He wanted to grab the maracas and play out of time, which is what he does. (laughs) Anyway, sorry, Mick, if you're listening to this. But uh, you know what I mean? But I became very friendly as a person, as, as people, they were... You know, they're my friends, you know. They're, you know, whenever they're on a gig, I always go to the gigs. I travel on the plane and always get in the dressing rooms and chat with them. Charlie uh, and Ron are probably the two, and Ron is not really a stone. It's a, a, what's his name? He's, 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 he's not, still not considered a real Rolling Stone by them, you know. Right. It's Keith, uh, Mick... And Charlie's gone now. I don't know what's going to happen now. But they were the three, and Ron was like the permanent added help. <laughs> but they were, I used to get on really, really well with them. 
And my story goes with Trevor Horn because we worked on so many artists together, you know, and uh, and I did, well, obviously I did a lot of things on my own, but I've got a couple of friends. Hans Zimmer, the composer, is one of mm-hmm. my, the music, the film guys. He was the keyboard player in my band, you know. Um, I mean, it's difficult because I've met, I know so many people and I love them all because I've, they've always loved me. They've always treated me well and I always treated them well. And Paul O'Duffy, I don't know if you know, producer Paul O'Duffy, Swing Out mm. Sister. Mm. Uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, whatever it's called, I forget. I'm terrible with names. But uh, he, he became a real close friend of mine and we lived in the same area and we used to live in Barnet and... You know, and some producers, especially producer John Kelly, who did McCartney and things like that, and, and a lot of the American producers that I worked with. Um, who else? Who else did I really like? I suppose. Um, Do those two things join together, Lewis? So you just said there that you, you know, you got on well with quite a lot of producers, but then your attitude towards going to do a session, how you would work with a producer, you, you, you'd sit there, you'd just, okay, what do you want, and then you, yes, you know, do you think that went hand in hand with forming those those friendships? Then, because you just became a very, you, you, it's like, right, okay. Get Lewis involved. I'm going to get all that sorted. That's going to bring a real, uh, you know, it's going to bring what I want to the track and yes. it's going to be, that work is going to be easy because yes. I've got such a great working relationship with him. Absolutely. I think, absolutely. That's why I just said to you, that's why I'm still alive, you know, yeah. because of the way the relationship I have with the people I work with, you know. I, I go to work for them and they're important. My opinion is besides the point, you know what I mean? So unless, as I said, unless somebody's searching for something new, which has happened on a few occasions, you know, but normally I get on with people because I know I couldn't mention names, I'm not, but I could mention six session great players who'd never got work after five years because they were going yeah. in and telling the producer what to do. Oh, no, man, you're wrong. Don't have a tambourine there. That sounds shit. Oh, no, I'll put some maracas. <laughs> you know, you got all this. Uh, if you do that, the producer's going to think, who the fuck does he think he is? You know what yeah. I mean? So with the American thing, I worked with a lot of producers in America and in Europe. I did. I played on a lot of European, French and German records and things. And I had the same situation. They were quite shocked that I didn't go there and tell them what to do. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they'd used uh, Akuna, who's a great percussion player in America. Uh, he was probably the top, one of the top guys. He plays on every bloody record. And... They used to come here and say, ooh, this, do you know who this is? It's Akuna. I say, Akuna, fuck. My God, he's a god. And he'd say, he's God, but he's too much of a god. He's taking mm. over the fucking track, right. you know. So I thought, wait a minute, this is not the way. And I'm also a rock man. You know, I grew up with rock, although I liked some jazz, you know, some fusion jazz and all that. My my band, yesterday we were looking at a video of my band when I was 11 years old. It was Fucking playing rock and roll, you know what I mean? Pop and rock and roll. So that's me. I grew up with good rock, you know. I love the Beatles. They were one of my... They still are one of the great things in my life, I think. I didn't follow their style, but but I was more like Presley and, uh, uh, you know, the, some of the black rock singers. And that was my scene. I really liked pop and rock, you know. That's what I... Good pop, you know. Mm. Uh, I was a great fan of the Kinks, uh, Spencer Davis group with uh, what's his name, which I forget of the name. You know. Steve Winwood. Steve Winwood. Steve Winwood. You yeah. know, I always liked the American touch on top of the the British roughness of the the songs, and I think that was special. And there was quite a few guys who did that. No, uh, yeah. Long John Baldry. There was uh, PJ Proby. There were a lot of people who had this mesh of pop, but. And Presley himself, I loved Presley. I thought he was great. You know, when he was yeah. when it was when he was good, he was good. You know, so my influences, and I've always liked very far out jazz. You know, like Mahavishnu Orchestra was my Frank Zappa. You know, all this it was like a mix. You know, and a lot of Brazilian music. I was I was a friend, and I Sergio Mendes in Brazil '66. I don't know if you remember that. Sergio Mendes did amazing samba records, you know. All that shit. Mm. That was, you know, that's, I grew up with that, you know. So there was like, and my heart was in Cuban. I loved Cuban music too. You know, the Cubans on percussion, it's, they are the kings, you know. The, Mongo Santa Maria, who was the greatest Congo player, he was so good 
that he, he hit the drum so hard that they had to cover his fingers with metal rings that what because he you know he's played so hard he was cutting himself all the time so mm. somebody had the idea of putting these finger things on him you know it's cuban players are absolutely amazing i did some recordings in cuba and yeah that was tom dolby i went with tom dolby and we did a, a an album with guitar player, great guitar player, I forget his name now, American country guitar player. Oh, you, I uh, know you. And we did it with Tom Dolby in in Cuba. You know, you must know who I am. And it's, I, I You're was, in Ry Cuda, do you? Ry Cuda. And uh, I was sitting in that studio with these 17-year-old Cubans, and I thought, God, you know, I'm being born today again watching these kids play, and they were so fucking good, you know. Oh man, sorry. I'm, I keep talking. And I'll never stop. No, no you're fine. I'm going to ask H a quick question. Um, I'll tell you what you could ask me. You could say, H, has Sergio Mendes ever left you an, a message on your guest book? <laughs> he did, didn't he? Because he did. And, <laughs> and to, you know, after all these years, I've thought I can't have been him. And and and, and uh, I was talking to Lewis about this on the bus, and he said, Oh, it will have been. It will have been him. Um, so. Um, Who's going to try and impersonate Sergio Mendes? I mean, nobody. It's an odd choice, yeah, yeah. if you're going to make someone up. But but it blew my mind. Because, yeah, he said he was, uh, we'd played at the uh, that gig in Los Angeles, uh, that club. Uh, oh, God, what were all those clubs called? These are two guys who can't remember anything. <laughs> I can't uh, remember anything. Anyway, we played this club in LA, and, and and he left a message on my guest book saying, oh, I just happened to be there with my wife, and we really enjoyed your band, man. That's, that's Sergio. Like and that, yeah. uh, I thought, that can't be him. Yeah. But there we are. Yeah. Sorry, what were you going to ask? Oh, diary. Oh, are we doing a diary this week? Well, only if we need to. I mean, I'm happy to do it, and I'm happy to not do it. I'd much rather listen to Lewis. No, oh, no, 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 So what about, what about the eighties? So because obviously with the Trevor Horn stuff, then you 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 know you you did a lot in that yes. period. Well, that, uh, I, I mean, would obviously, say, yeah, I would say that that's the period where you know these three hundred artists I talk about, probably two hundred and fifty from the eighties. You know what I mean? Because mm. that's well, that's when percussion became fashionable. Because percussion wasn't fashionable with the English bands; it was shake a tambourine or play a maraca or something with the rock bands. And then the eighties came along, you know, before the Americans got here we had a lot of artists you know we had a uh, high energy we had i don't know we had loads of uh, styles of dance and that's the that's when i became that's when i was able to buy a house and a car <laughs> did you do that uh, chant number one with spandau ballet yes you know, the, i don't need this pressure yes. on. that yeah, was you yeah, was it yeah. i did all spandau yeah, stuff well, yeah. that's a good track yeah i mean it, it was the time of the Mind you, they dropped me in the shed because after I did that track, I had to give, uh, what's his name, the sax player, I forget the name, Barry, uh, Brian. Oh, uh, they called him Chopper. Yeah, didn't the they? Chopper. On account of his... I had to give him lessons playing congas. Oh, did you? <laughs> so I got a lumber and I couldn't say no because they were friends. He said, oh, Lewis, can you come around and teach me to play congas? Because he wanted to play them on stage. Right. What was his name? I forget now. Uh, sax player. His real name. Was he called Harris? He was was he Chopper Harris? Oh no, I'm thinking of Bomber Harris. Uh, uh, they called him Chopper something or other yeah, on was, account of his. Yeah, his... had a funny name, Norman. I thought something, one of these old British names. Yeah, but it was Steve Norman. Steve Norman. Yeah, right. He was the Steve Norman. Yeah. yeah. So I gave him lessons. I became very close friends with them, and they were my neighbours. They lived in Highgate, and I was living in Muswell Hill. <laughs> Right. So I used to pick them up on the way to the sessions because they didn't like driving. Gary, especially Gary, never wanted to drive. Right. And his brother, the bass player, I forget his name now, who uh, became an actor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Kemp brothers, wasn't it? Gary yeah, the and Kemp brothers. The Martin. Yeah. Gary Martin. and Martin Kemp. Martin. Yeah. yeah. I used to, I used to uh, Lewis, you're passing by. Do you mind picking us up? So <laughs> I became their chauffeur as well as the percussionist, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know. But you, you write about. Because towards the end of the 80s, even you start to see a lot more percussion. I mean, it, 
it was in a lot of pop, but then it even started to cross into fairly mainstream rock. You'd see a lot of... I remember those those bands of the late 80s, early 90s, those kind of... Because we had the, like, the Nelson Mandela gig and we had the, the sort of the Freddie Mercury tribute and there was Live Aid and what have you. Yes, And then yes. you'd, have, you'd have a band and it'd be Phil Collins and Clapton would be playing and, um, you know, probably Nathan East on bass and you'd have right. Nofla might be playing. There was this group of people and there's, suddenly percussion was, was, was always included. Yes, yes. Became that's why I said the eighties because there was the, inf- the the South American influence, wasn't it? The groove, the dance, the dance came was influenced by the Cuban rhythm sections and and by the Brazilian uh, Paulinho da Costa, who's my rival in America, busted stole some jobs from me. Anyway, Paulinho da Costa is a great percussion player. And he was he was doing everything there, and we used to talk on the phone. How many, hey Lewis? How many records you have played on this week? And I'd say I played on about seven. I used to lie, fifteen, <laughs> and he'd go, Oh, I played on sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's amazing. I used to walk in the studio. He's a percussion player. He was very me and him are very similar. And he used to walk in. Apparently, he used to walk in dancing. Oh, you know, uh, the people, you know, they'd be playing something that wasn't danceable, but he'd still come in with some shakers <laughs> and things and he'd walk in dancing. So the Americans love all that bit of theatrical bullshit, you know what I mean? And, but Paolo was a great... And he was my rival, and he played on most of the dance American... But I played with people like Chaka Khan and, um, you know, I played with a lot of American artists as mm-hmm. well, uh, not as many as British. But Brit- there was a lot of dance music in Britain at the time, a lot of it, and good good dance music, you know. Mm. So that was, everything became influenced by percussion, you know. Michael Jackson was playing, Mm. having percussionists on his records and, you know, which in the 70s wasn't very normal, you know. Percussion was an added salt and pepper thing, you know. No, and that's the bit I was going to sort of say, because, I mean, you you talked about that that sort of late 60s start and then probably, you know, 70s maybe a little bit more difficult, 80s, it all kicks off again, and then I guess from then you've you've been what busy all the time. Yes, yes, 80s, 90s. Uh, unfortunately, when this pandemic started, a lot of my work, like everybody else's work, yeah. sort of stopped. You know, and also the 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 machine thing took over. You know, the drum machines took over. Mm. They came in, maybe what in 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 a in a powerful way at the beginning of the 90s probably everyone was using Lind drums but I was a clever dick I've always been a clever dick and I'm fucking useless but I'm a clever dick. so I went out and bought Lind number one I had zero 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 one <laughs> so I could program a Lind before anybody could even switch it on <laughs> so I was doing a lot of programming as well as playing and of course because they they got Two for the price of one. You know, mm. I'd go in and put a good drum track down because I really knew how to work this. I work with everything, with Pro Tools, uh, whatever. And I used to program these things. And then they'd say, as you're here, you'll pay you another 500 quid. And you... <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was good. I did a lot of programming. Lewis, that's really clever. Yeah. That's really, really yeah. clever. I went out and bought all the machines. Every machine in got even machines that I couldn't use because I couldn't play. You know, the keyboard. You know, I turned up in the studio and I had a, a rack of keyboards, Super Jupiters, Prophets. You know, I had them because you know they'd say you don't happen to have a brass sound. <laughs> I, although I could only play with three fingers, I could fake. You know, you know what I mean. So now I, I, then a lot, a lot of drummers got angry with me. Said. Um, was one guy that what was his name? He was married to that girl at Sam West. Who was the drummer that was married with a girl at Sam West? Sam Not Sam West, uh, Metropolis. He was a drummer that was playing around quite a bit. A young, short guy. Jeff. Jeff. Doug, Jeff Dugmore. Dear Jeff Dugmore. Jeff. He Jeff was Dugmore. the drummer in my band in New Europeans. Was he? Yeah. yeah. Jeff yeah. Dugmore grabbed me by the balls, if you excuse my French. <laughs> At the restaurant in Metropolis, the, the studio, Metropolis in Chiswick, and he said to me, you, guys like you, are taking work away from guys like me. I said, you could go down to the shop and just buy a drum machine yourself. Yeah. I'm sure you'll program it better than I do. You're right. a drummer. Yeah. <laughs> and, but there was a few guys that were really annoyed that 
people like me. It wasn't just me. There was other guys. Peter Van Hook. I don't know if you know Peter Van Hook. Peter Van Hook was a well-known drama. Van Morrison and all this. He used to work with those kind of people. Peter Van Hook. Peter Boyter, who played with Elton John for many years, you know. Charlie Morgan, they all went out and bought drum machines and they were getting plenty of work, you know. But the guys wanted to say, no, I only play the kit, otherwise, you know. Yeah, but that's what we were talking about before, about you being somebody easy for producers to work with. You've just spotted a niche and gone, right, OK, well, I'll make sure I can do that then. Yes, of course, of course. Because, yeah, you know, why wouldn't you want me to programme drums for you? Yeah, of course. And then, you know... A percussion is brings, I think, a percussionist on the record brings a bit of joy. Mm. You know what I mean? It lifts something up. Something could sound a bit dun 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 dun. A percussion come goes sugar do do sugar do 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 sugar do, and they go, oh yeah, man, you know, Hello? it's happening yeah. now. That's what a percussion player does. And Paul Ingo in America does the same thing. You know, he goes in a session. I mean, Paul Simon, the African record. You know, he came in and what was yeah. And he'd come in and overdub over the top of everything and he'd turn those songs, you know. And that was what I used to love. I used to go in the studio with even bands that are unlikely, Propaganda, who was an electronic band, you know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Duran Duran. I went to Duran Duran to, 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 to... The producer called me and said, this fucking thing is dying. It needs to be lifted. So I'd go in and put, you know, f- fruit salad on on it and it would work like a treat, you know. <laughs> yeah, you because just used to go around saving tracks then, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Dr. Jardim. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just made, you know, I'm a, I'm a happy guy. I'm sure yeah. I'm going to die laughing unless I have some fucking disease horrendous. But, but you know what <laughs> no, I mean? No, you die laughing at that. But, but you know, I'm a, I'm a happy guy and I, I want to be with people. I've got great stories. I mean, Steve will tell you. I can spend an entire night telling you stories, crazy studio stories. But because I'm basically, my mother was a very happy person. And she used to wallop at me. I say it seriously, you know. Whenever she smacked me, she was nearly six foot, and big whoop. But my mum, my mum danced when she was seventy. She would go somewhere and she'd be dancing within three minutes, you know. And I come from my father. My father started a style of music in Portugal, which is called the uh, what's it called? Um, oh, whatever. It's a style that came from Coimbra, where the University of uh, 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 medicine is the most important city in Portugal. It's uh, for medicine uh, university, uh, and uh, tuna academica. That's what it's called, academic tune, something like that. I don't know how you can translate it. But my father, he played this Portuguese guitar, which is strange guitar. It's like he played one with twenty strings, you know, and. I remember the things he re- he recorded, he, he wrote and recorded, and they're all happy things, vibey things. Mm. And I'm a vibey guy. I like to be laughing all day, all day, which we do with this band. This band's unreal. You know, <laughs> I've never worked with a band. I swear to you, and I've always been I've been on loads of tours and things, and I've had there's always some schmock in the middle of the band or some asshole. Excuse again my Spanish, but <laughs> but you know. There's always somebody who spoils the tours, or one or two guys who go in the corner and they talk about jazz and get stoned and all. Well, this band isn't like that. This is the only time I've been in a band where even the roadies are great. You know what I mean? We are, isn't it? We're right. a bunch of friends, you know. We go out together, we eat together. You know, there isn't argument. There aren't arguments. If there is anything, right, it's the piss is taken out of the bad situation, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. We manage to get around it, you know, and this is like, it's a breath of fresh air, I'm telling you. I waited fucking 70 years for this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's fantastic we can break as an exclusive that on a Marillion tour, nobody sits in the corner getting stoned and talking about jazz. No, <laughs> no you can say that. I think, I, think that. I think the world has been waiting to it's hear no, that. It's no yeah. lie. It's no <laughs> lie. <laughs> just, just, just for the purposes of, uh, of, of inclusion, um, H, how are you? <laughs> He's the boss, I'm, and I'm taking his place. I'm fine. I'm just sitting here, you know, soaking up Lewis's vibe, you know, which is what I've been doing for the whole tour. Um, yeah. 
It's been as wonderful to be on stage with him as it has to be off stage with him. In fact, it might be more wonderful being off stage with him. But, oh, I'm fucked. But, but, I'm it, sacked. but both, you know, and both has been just a complete joy. Um, and, and you know, he can't tell you half the stories he's told me and Does I can't tell you half the no stories he's told me either. So there we are. But, uh, we've, uh, we, we've had a really great time. We've laughed a lot. And there has been a great vibe on the bus, um, you know, on and off, on and off the bus. As I say, we were on a cafe this afternoon with the yeah. crew, weren't we? For four uh, hours, <laughs> laughing constantly. <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 a great feeling at the moment, and the 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 shows are going extremely well. Uh, the love in the room from the people is palpable. Um, and I think it goes up every tour. I mean, you wouldn't know this because you haven't been on all the others, but on each tour, the level of affection in the in the room is going up. It's amazing with the vibe we've got going on with our fans at the moment. Um, it's, I mean, it's a real privilege to be on a stage in front of those people. I'm, I, you know, maybe we've earned it to some extent, but nonetheless, uh, I don't think we'd ever take it for granted because it's been amazing. So that's how I am. <laughs> What's been interesting, just reading a few comments, having been, a, uh, been to a couple of shows myself, is is just the fact that this is, seems to be one of those wonderful made in the stars moments. You know, since you've since you've been involved in in this tour, Lewis, it just it just to everybody. I mean, I said it, I think, on a couple of podcasts ago. It just felt entirely normal that you were there. It just it just so. complimented. Supplemented, complement, whatever you want to you want to say about it, but it just felt right. Yes. Well, um, his percussionist, a drummer on a stage with the band, is very important. Ian's an amazing drummer. He's got, he's like for me, is the Steve Gadd, an amazing style. His technique of the rolling technique and the the control of the double pedals and everything is. I didn't realize how good he was till I started playing with him. And if I don't have a really good drummer, and if I don't respect this drummer and get in between what he's doing, not on top of what he's doing, get in the middle of what he's doing, that's what makes me. And I'm always, if you look, if you see us on stage, I'm always looking at him and smiling. Yeah, you are because yeah. he does he does something, and I'm automatically I know how to respond because I'm getting mm. used to what he does, you know. And it's and most drummers hate percussion players. Believe me, they see a percussion player and they go, oh, fuck, interfering bastard, you know, and not Ian. Ian loves being, well, at least that's the impression I get, that he's really happy that I'm with him on certain yeah, things. Oh, I think he loves you, though, man. I, I yeah. don't think it's just mm. that he, it, it's not the instrument. It's, it's, it's you and your approach to it. He's having such a good time. Yeah, I, I feel that I want to, I you know, however... Long I play with this band. I want to the day I leave. I want them to say that asshole. What a bastard! No, I don't. I'm yeah. lying. <laughs> I I think uh, Lewis. I think you're you're further on your journey with Marillion than Ronnie's on his journey with the Stones. Yeah, I mean it's great to play with a drummer that doesn't hate percussion players because most drummers I've had on records drummers come up to me and say, um, Lewis. Uh, well-known drummers, which shall become nameless, have said, "We don't mind if, you, if I don't put your name on the record." <laughs> and mm. I don't, it's not up to me; it's up to them whether the name's on the record or not. You know, but I've had a few have come to me and said, "You know," and I, you know, it was the only guy that was honest was the guy uh, was Phil Collins. Phil Collins came to me and he said, "I'm not going to have your name on the record." You know, I'm, I'm, I want people to think that I played the tambourine. Or something. Did I said, really? "Phil." I'm so honoured to have been on the record with you. It was a, it was on a Tears for Fears record on, um, what is it, the famous the Woman in Chains? You know, we're both yes. playing together on that Woman. My in goodness, and Are he you said, on that as well. He said no. <laughs> I said he said I'm not having you playing tambourine. It's, you know, it's me. I, I want people to think I play. <laughs> I don't know if he was joking or not, but you know, he must have been. He must have been because he's a serious. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. a lovely drum track, there, isn't it? I mean, the whole yeah. track's lovely. But you know what? You know what Roland Ozabal is like, isn't it? He's, Phil came in with his huge, beautiful kit with like God knows how many toms and cymbals and things. And in the end, when he was doing the last take, he only had the hi hat, the snare, and bass drum. <laughs> and I'm having a pee. 
in the toilet at Red Bus. We were recording at Red Bus. And I'm having a pee, and Phil's standing next to me having a piss, and he goes, excuse me, who the fuck's this creep anyway? <laughs> oh, he didn't know who Roland was. <laughs> don't freaking you know. It's Phil, between you and me, don't say it. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, he was, he was such a great player, Phil, as well. And, and to see him going... That just with a high hat. It was a bit, it was a bit sad, but you know, Roland is a special guy. It's an it? exquisite track, though. Yeah, great. Can't track, argue isn't it? with it. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's a better place to finish than that because that. I mean, look, if if I'd played on that track and that track only, that would have been a career. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Me that too. track is that good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank and you. you just toss that in at the end. <laughs> <laughs> You know, which is which is at the same time really cool and deeply unfair. Um, but but you know, but no, Lewis, what what a fantastic! It's been a privilege. It's been a privilege. It's my privilege to be sitting here with this man. Really, if it'd been somebody else, I probably would have said, "I'm sorry, mate." But with with Steve, I'll go anywhere. If he wants to take me to the Bahamas. On honeymoon, I'll take it. I'm booking it. I'm booking it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'll break the news oh. to the missus. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> She'll kill me. <laughs> so all that's going to happen now is when we turn this off, you're, you two are just going to carry on like this, aren't you? We're well, going down to set, have dinner. You're set for the evening, aren't <laughs> it's you? It's highly likely, yeah. I think there's an Indian yeah. across the road. Yeah, that's where going. yeah we're, we're, we're meeting up with the crew, aren't we, in yeah, a minute? Yeah. So we're going to go and... Go and well, look, have a great have a evening. Have a great, have a great couple of gigs in Nine Devon because I think you've got two on the bounce, haven't you? We have. Um, yes. Two. And, and the home, of, you will catch home of Phillips and the Cat Skinner. And Phillips. <laughs> yeah, the Cat Skinner. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Vagina Defus. Um, <laughs> Listen, it was a pleasure being with you. It was really good fun. I enjoyed it. And Stephen, of course. You know. <laughs> Well, I'll see you next time, H. I don't know where that'll be. Yes. Uh, well, next week. Well, I'll try and get my Jack on next week because we it, there's a zero in it, isn't there? And there is a he's zero. He's the only next one week. we haven't had on. So, We're going to get a we're going to get a breakfast cereal on next uh, week. Special K. Yeah. Special K. We'll have special K. Well, we've had um, Mr. Jam Jardimont, and uh, yeah. we'll have special K special on next, K. next week. Yeah, we've had Steve Ricicle. <laughs> It's Steve Ricicle's um, been on. Ricicle, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Peter, Peter Bix has been Peter, on. Peter, um, Peter Bix has yeah. been on. Peter, yeah, yeah. Ian Muesley yeah. was on very Ian early. Ian Muesley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all I can say then is cheerio, guys. Cheerio. <laughs> <laughs> Toodaloo. Toodaloo. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> what the hell am I going to do for a croon cut? To introduce myself, I'm a man of wealth and taste. I've been around for many a year, stole many a man's soul and face. I was there when Jesus Christ had his moment of doubt and pain. Made damn sure that Pilate washed his hands. And sealed his fate Pleased to meet you Won't you guess my name What's confusing you Is the nature of my game
Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.